Well, it's an honor and privilege to be here this morning. Uh, like Pastor Israel said, my name is Al. It's an honor, it's an honor to uh, know him as a friend, as a dear friend, and also to, to have heard the story uh, and to continue to see the story of God play out in and through uh, this church. And I want you to see that what you're doing is a, is a hard work. Um, and, and if you're a guest, man, and it's your first time here, God is inviting you into a, to a work, a work that Jesus began after he rose from the dead. Uh, he's, and here's the big idea. Uh, he wins. Like, that's the thing. Jesus is the the king, he is victorious, and so uh, we are we are just ushering in the thing that he already uh, claimed and what he's already bought with his blood and what he's already established. The kingdom, uh, when Jesus came, was at hand, and it is it has come, and so we get to continue in the work of King Jesus's ministry. And so I hope that you are you see that as like an awesome thing that God has invited you into the family business. That's pretty cool. And so uh, this is the beginning of it here in this city uh, with this church in this time. So uh, it's an honor to, to, to be here to preach. And so by God's grace, I pray that you are uh, blessed and encouraged. But I'm a Bible teacher. I go book, verse by verse through books of the Bible. So I am grateful that we are in a book of the Bible, John, and I get to just go verse by verse through some verses. So uh, verses 1 through 18, we'll start with 1 through 5 first. And so... Uh, here we go, John 5, 1 through 5, um, here we go. It says, after this, so, yeah, that's where y'all were at last week. Yeah, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and, the, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So we, we're not told what feast this is, um, but Jesus feasts. He does. He does it often, frequently. He's often uh, getting away, uh, going to celebrate the feast, especially um, whether it's weddings or, 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 you know, Jewish Passover. We don't know if this is exactly what he's, he is celebrating. But I want you to think this is the time where, they, where everyone's gathering together for this, this festival, this feast. So think Christmas, think Easter, think, think a party, think celebration. So Jesus is on like a vacation holiday type thing. This is And, he, and then what is he going to do? during this time of feasting. Well, now there, now in Jerusalem, there was some needy people, and here's where they're at. They're at the place called the Sheep Gate, and there was a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda. This is, also means house of mercy, which, which has five roofed colonnades, and in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And so this is uh, Jesus on his holiday, on his vacation. He's going to go to, to people in need. I want to see this. This is where he's headed. He's headed to the, this place where all these folks have gathered. They've gathered in their, 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 their lame, they're sick, they're, they're paralyzed likely. Many of them, um, they are unable to uh, move. They have great needs. And there's just, there's just a lot of people. And these colonnades are there to, to, to create shade and covering uh, so that, you know, people aren't in the you know, Middle East and in the, the desert dying from heat stroke. And so they're out there uh, waiting by this pool. And they're waiting by this pool. And so I want us to, uh, before I get too far into this text, I would want you to know that uh, we, if you were following along, you didn't see verse 4. There's no verse 4 in this chapter. Uh, it goes 3 to 5. And it's not because we skipped it or the slides, guys, man, when we just mess up. No. Uh, the, the Verse 4 was not there in the original text. So if you have a Bible, a paper Bible, likely there's an asterisk that shows you down at the bottom what uh, some other manuscripts are, uh, have, have said to describe what was happening here at this event. And so I'm not going to get too much into why it was perhaps not in the original text, but, but this this. 
this quote I'm about to read from the, the bottom of our Bible tells us what the context, why they're there. Why have they gathered to sit by a pool? Is this summertime in, you know, uh, Texas where they're trying to get their tan? No. Like, why are they sitting by the pool? It sounds like a great idea, right? To sit by the pool in the summer, it's hot, have some shade, really, really awesome. But it's not really awesome if, like, you're paralyzed. Like, you're not there to go swimming. That's not where you're there. That's uh, not what you're there for. And so the, the, some manuscripts describe, quote, wait, this verse, uh, adding in verse 4, waiting for the moving of the water, and an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water, and whoever stepped in first after the stirring water was healed of whatever disease he had. So this is why they're there. They're there to be healed. They're trying to be the first person when the jacuzzi, you know, heats up and the bubbles start going. Who's going to jump in first? Well, mind you this. This is a bunch of paralyzed folks that no one's jumping anywhere. Uh, many of them are lame, sick, hurting. And so they got to figure out who's going to get the first one in the pool and who's going to get healed. And there's a bunch of people gathered. So I think of it, um, we're from, you know, San Antonio area, South Texas. And so everyone right now is at the river. This is, everyone's at the river, whether it be, you know, the Guadalupe River, the Frio River, the Comal River. All the rivers, they're just packed, especially on the weekends or 4th of July. Just think, summer, 4th of July, Texas River. There's not much water flowing because there's been droughts. And so there's a bunch of, you know, highly intoxicated people who are kind of like lame and, you know, blind in some ways. Uh, and they're just, they're just there on the side and they're uh, taking up space and it's... Uh, it's not the, the prettiest sight. Uh, it's not the, the, the most enjoyable smells. It's just, just imagine just this heat. It's just, it's awful. You can just feel it, right? And so this is what I imagined it being like. And then they're waiting for the hot tub to turn on in the heat. And it's like, that's not cool either. They're going to jump in. Who's going to be the first guy to get in? And if they get in, uh, they're going to get healed. It's what they think. We don't know if this was an event that had happened uh, uh, where, the, where God, through the angel of the Lord, did come through and season and heal folks. Uh, but, but it's unclear if this was just a real event or a superstition. But the point is many people have gathered here to wait for the water to start rushing and to jump in and get healed. And so what Jesus does, he's on his holiday, he's, he's celebrating the feast, and so he goes down to where the hurting people are, and it's not the, not the coolest environment, it's hot, it's sweaty, there's a bunch of people just gathered to hopefully win the lottery and jump in the pool first and see who gets healed. Like, that's what they're waiting on. That's what they're waiting on. So... As we begin, I want us to see Jesus cares for hurting people. He just cares. He cares like he could have been somewhere else. But he goes out of his way to go to Bethesda, to this pool by the sheep gate, and to, to be with the hurting people. Jesus sought out the hurting people, particularly this one man. And we saw him, this one man who had been lying there, uh, and he said, we said he was an invalid for 38 years. So maybe he's paralyzed, he's, he's out of commission, he's 38 years. We don't know if that's his entire life or a portion of his life. We're led to believe later with some details that Jesus gives that it's perhaps uh, a, a portion of his life, uh, not his entire life. Uh, but anyway, 38 years he's been in this situation, and he finds himself at this pool, obviously looking to be healed there. And so when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he had already been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? It's really interesting that Jesus said that. Why is everyone gathered there? They're gathered there, you would think, because they want to be healed. When the, when the whirlpool starts, they're going to jump in and get healed. 
Well, see, the reality is that's not necessarily true. You can say the same thing about church. You can say the same thing about Jesus. People, uh, why are you here? Well, we want to hear from God. Like, do you? We want to be conformed into Christ's likeness. Do you? Like, we assume a lot oftentimes that people come to church, come to Jesus, come to the Bethesda because they want to get healed. But if Jesus asked the question, do you want to be healed? And so this is where we got to start. The question is, do you want to be healed? Not everyone wants to be changed. Not everyone wants to be changed. So many people are, are at this pool, and some of them want to be healed, but some of them just want company because suffering likes company. If we can just be all over here and we can start our own group, we'll call the five colonnades, and uh, we can just complain about everything and we're, we're victims of, of, of whatever's going on in our life. We're just going to sit here and wait for the water to come. And then, oh, no, oh, Bobby jumped in the water first. He's a jerk. And so he got healed. And what about me? Why can't I get healed? Why can't someone put me in the water and just complain and complain? And, and truthfully, a lot of people just want to complain. They want company to complain with and they don't want healing. Additionally, some people just want sympathy. Oh, man, look at the, oh, man, the poor people over here at, at the colonnades uh, at, at Bethesda. Look how, look how miserable their life is. And maybe some people come and they, they give them some food or they give them some, some encouragement. And they, they come and they go there to, on their mission trips. And so they go uh, to, to pray for them. And maybe they just want charity. Maybe they just want handout. Who knows why they've come here? We have this story of this possibility that the angel of the Lord might show up, stir the water, and one person out of the multitude might get healed, which we don't actually ever see this event take place. So this idea that it might happen. But there's no evidence here that, that that's going to happen. So Jesus asking the man, do you want to be healed, matters. Because you have to have a want to before there's a how to. You really do. And this, when I understood this, this unlocked pastoral counseling for me. There's so many folks that come forward and you're like, uh, Pastor, I need help in this area. But the question is, you need help, but do you want help? Like you need help. People, it's very easy to say, I need help. It's a much different thing to want it. So I need change. Well, do you want to change? Like I want healing, okay? But do you, do you want to do what it takes for healing. So this is what's at the bottom of Jesus' question asking him, man, 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 do you want to be healed? I know you're hurting. I know you're sick. I know I see you in your circumstance. Like, what do you want? Do you want me to heal you? You're here. Everyone's here for this. Like, why are you here? Why have you gathered right now? Ask yourself, why are you here? You're here because you, you expect the presence of the living God to be present and felt and transformative and change, I, I hope that is why you're here. Sometimes people go to church for different reasons. I want some friends. My parents made me come. You know, uh, someone invited me. And so the reality is we don't really know why he's there or what he wants. But the reality is Jesus knows. Jesus sees him and Jesus shows up. So don't be surprised if you've gathered for, uh, whether it be in, in church or you're in your, your, your groups in the homes and discipleship, and you're just like, man, I'm just going through the motions. Don't be surprised when Jesus shows up. Don't be surprised when he shows up. The question will be, how will you respond once he does? And so we have a case study with this man today. And so I'll just ask yourself the question as we continue. What about you? Do you want to be healed? Where do you feel trapped? 
Some of you, are, you, you feel like you're in the cul-de-sac of life. You can't get out. You're stuck in the cul-de-sac. In San Antonio, we don't have uh, necessary, we have highways, but they're all loops. And so everything's just a circle. You could stay on it all day and night. And like you just stay in the same city, going in the same direction, just going in a circle. Some of us feel that in life right now, you just feel stuck and trapped. Like, do you want to be healed? Do you want change? Some of us are stuck because of addictions that we find ourselves in. Or, or, or maybe you, you're just paralyzed, maybe not physically, but, but, but spiritually paralyzed by, by shame, guilt, just weighing on you the sins of your past, the things that, that, that have happened last night or, or, or in the, 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 the near past, or the shame of, of maybe some environment you have found yourself in or your past, your upbringing. Are you paralyzed, gripped? By shame? Or is it fear and anxiety? Or fear and anxiety rule your life? And everything, whether it be from driving from point A to point B, it just gives you anxiety. Or social settings or, or wherever you go, you just feel that you are trapped. And the question is, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be changed? Do you really want that? Or do you like the company of of complaining. Yeah, just as my circumstance, my situation. Do you like the company? Do you like sympathy? Or do you want Jesus? Do you want it? Do you want true transformation? What's interesting is this man responds. He doesn't say yes. He says it this way. He, the sick man answered in verse 7. He says, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up, while I'm going, uh, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Uh, to me, it was a yes or no question. Like, I'm just reading it and going, like, uh, yes, Jesus, or no. Or, like, man, what the heck? What do you think I'm here? Like, that's kind of where my mind goes. But he goes, sir, I can't get in the water. Someone must help me. And it's unfair because, you know, when I'm getting up, then, like, you know, this other guy jumps in before me. So he doesn't say yes. But he does explain that his hope is in the pool. I want us to see this. His hope is in what he's doing. Some of you ask the question, you want freedom from anxiety, from fear, from shame. And you're asked that question, you're like, well, like I, I, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. Question is, I'm not asking you, what are you doing? The question is, do you have this want, this desire in your heart from God for what only Jesus can offer? Like the Lord Jesus is standing before him, standing before him. And he's just like, man, I, I just can't get in the water. He has no clue who he's talking to. And so while he doesn't say yes, he explains that he has this hope that, that he can get in the pool and be healed. And then uh, he, he has this, he's being honest that he does have a need and he does need help. And so perhaps he's, he's, he had a want to at some point in his life. He had a want to. And maybe this is you. You've had a want to, but you've been, so, you've been let down so many times. You're just disillusioned and discouraged. Like perhaps this is what this guy, like he, he's just been let down. Like I'm trying to get in the pool. I'm trying to get heal, healing, but I'm just the slowest guy and I just can't get there. I'm paralyzed. And you know how hard it is for paralyzed men to jump. And it's like, yeah, it's hard. And you thought that was funny. Yeah, it is funny. Like, it, it is, like that's what he's saying. He can't do it. I need help. Jesus isn't mocking him and nor am I, but I'm just saying like he needs help he is stuck. And perhaps he's so disillusioned he can't even say, yeah, I, I want to be healed. 
Because I don't have faith that I can be healed. I don't trust that I can be healed. I don't believe in the power of God anymore. I used to believe in the power of God, and that's why I came to this pool. My friends brought me here, and they left me, and, 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 and I was hopeful, and now I've lost hope. How many of you, that's your story? Like you, At some point in time, you just lost hope. You're tired of trying. You're tired of being tired, and you're just, you're just stuck. Well, luckily, this man's response doesn't, isn't contingent on Jesus' response. Jesus says this in verse 8. Jesus said to him, get up. <laughs> I love it. He just says, get you know, up. I'm going to heal you. Like, I know you're talking about I, I can't get in the water, whatever. He says, get up. Take your bed and walk. He doesn't give him this like, okay, hey, here's what's about to happen. I asked you, do you want to be healed? So I'm about to do it. Ready? Set? Like, no, he's just asked him the question, do you want to be healed? The guy responds, well, I can't get in the water. He goes, okay, get up. Just amazing. Jesus just cuts right to it. He speaks to this man, tells him to get up, and at once the man was healed. And he stood up and, and took his bed and walked. And now that was the Sabbath day. That was the Sabbath. I want you to see, Jesus sometimes heals apart from faith. This man doesn't seem to show any faith. Jesus heals this man apart from faith. Sometimes in other passages like John 4, like we see that Jesus granting faith and then that Jesus uh, responding to men and women who had faith and then healing based off of their faith. We see this. See this with the, the, another paralyzed man. He had four friends. His four friends brought uh, the paralyzed dude to Jesus, and Jesus healed the man because of his friend's faith. Sometimes Jesus heals because of our faith. Sometimes Jesus heals because of the faith of our friends. Sometimes Jesus heals because he's God and wants to, even when we don't have a desire or understand what the heck is going on, like this man. Jesus doesn't give him a chance to process through this uh, disillusioned response. He just says, man, get up. Stop complaining. It's over. Like, it's done. You're healed. And what's amazing is, what if the man didn't want to be healed? Like, just think about it. He had come there. And, and, and we, we all think that he wants to be healed. So sometimes you come to church, you come to, you gather around God's people, and God shows up, and you're like, well, I, I didn't actually want to be saved. I just wanted to check out the church. Okay, there's a guy, uh, he's now a Christian, he's, he's, we, he's been baptized, and he came to church one time to fight me. True story, true story. He got saved. Like, he's like, that's not how I pictured it working. Like, I came for a different reason. And Jesus shows up. I just want us to see that, that sometimes we, we misunderstand uh, faith and we want to manipulate Jesus into healing us. God, if I have enough faith, then, then I can control you. Or, or You can't control Jesus. Jesus heals by the, his word and by his command. And just like that, just like he spoke the earth into existence, was formless had form. Him creating the stars in the sky, the expanse, the birds, by him creating it by the word of his power, he speaks to this man, hey, get up, take your mat, and walk. See, no one can control Jesus, and that's the thing. That's going to get him into some trouble here in a moment. Like, no one can control Jesus. And I hope that for some of you, that, that this, that's scary to you because you're like, well, what if Jesus is going to speak to me today? I'm not ready for that. Yeah, it's okay. He's good. He's uncontrollable by you, but he's a good, good God. And he's coming on his holiday to go to the people who have needs. 
And he heals this man. And, he, and, and interesting, he doesn't even care about what day. He can heal whenever he wants and however he wants, even on the Sabbath. Even on the Sabbath. And so the Jews, so this really ticked off the religious elites at the time. Verse 10, so the Jews said to the man who has, uh, who, uh, the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. It's not law for you to take up your bed. Like, you can't be carrying your mat. Like, you can walk, but just nothing with nothing in your hand, sir. You are carrying way too much luggage. Like, that is not a carry-on. You cannot take that. Like, that is... I guess they're waiting outside, you know, the, 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 the colonnade just watching. You're like, wow, someone got healed. Huh. Let's get him. This is wild. So, but he answered them. This is the, the man who's been healed. He answered in verse 11. The man who healed me. He, he didn't even ask Jesus' name. He doesn't know who he is. Like some guy, if someone shows up, you've been paralyzed for 38 years, and now you're walking, you might want to get the guy's name. Like, he, he didn't even, this is how I, I wonder and question, did this guy even want healing? He didn't, he's not even pumped about it. Like, sometimes people get healed and they walk around, and they, they leave jumping for joy. This guy's like, ah, oh, carry my mat. Let's go. Oh, now the, you know, religious police are here. Well, that guy told me to do it. I'm going to blame him. It's like the Eve move, like, in, in the garden. It's like, oh, Satan made me do it. Like, Adam and Eve made me do it. Like, it's just, we just blame shift. He's like, the man who healed me, I know it's pretty cool, but the man who healed me, he made me take up my bed and walk. He told me to do it. And they asked him, who is the man who said, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in place. So Jesus heals the man and like dips quick. Hey man, take up your mat and walk. As he's beginning to walking, Jesus is just gone in the crowd. Crowd sees it, people see it, and now that the story's being told that the man got healed and he didn't get in the water. What? We've been waiting here to get in the water to get healed, and apparently you don't even have to get in the water to get healed. You just need that guy. Where's that guy? Jesus is gone. He's gone. So the big issue here is that what's quote-unquote unlawful and why the Jewish leaders are so upset is that they, they're, they're not, they're, the Sabbath is a, is a day that God's people were commanded, and it began in Genesis uh, when God took the seventh day off from creation, and then it was instituted in law in, in Exodus that the, that the uh, uh, fourth commandment is to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy and to remember it. And so there's this command to cease from working on the Sabbath. Well, in order to protect this law that God really gave, the Jewish leaders added 39 other Sabbath laws. So it's like they, they, they wanted to protect God's law so much that they added extra laws so they would never come close to actually breaking God's law. The problem is Jesus broke their law, not God's law, and they're indicting him on, on, on their law. That's the issue. That's the issue here. And so Jesus doesn't, doesn't break any Sabbath laws that, are, that were bound by, by God the Father. He's breaking the, the, one of the 39 Sabbath rules, which was permitting, uh, that pro- prohibited someone from carrying something, which is a wild thing. Like, man, then what a boring day of rest and worship. It's like, I can't even carry my backpack. You know, it, this, is, this was their law. And so what, essentially what this man is saying, the man who healed me, Commanded me to break your laws. That's what the religious leaders are hearing. The man who healed me told me to break, I could break your laws. And since Jesus never sinned, nor he, does he cause or call other people to sin against God, uh, he, he, he's not calling this man to sin, but he is calling this man to get up and walk 
proving that Jesus is God and has the authority to heal, but also this dude's not breaking God's Sabbath law. He's not. And so he might be breaking social norms or religious customs, but he is not breaking God's law. I need you to see this. Sometimes God shows up, God saves you, God transforms you, and then calls you to something that makes people uncomfortable. And the religious leaders or just the social political climate we live in, you might offend somebody. All of a sudden, I'm doing what Jesus says, and they're like, who told you to do that? Well, well, Jesus is like, well, we don't do it that way. Well, I'm sorry. He told me to do it. His word was clear. It's just amazing sometimes that we will take the pressures of society and culture and, and then put those on God and dictate how am I worship God? Well, i got to do it according to God's word, but only according to God's word as it fits in our, our, our cultural context. That's, that's false. We do things according to God's word, will, and ways, no matter what the society or culture or custom dictates. Jesus dictates. He has the power to heal. This man is now pitted. I want you to see this. We don't know where his faith is at the moment, but he's pitted now between the religious leaders of who do I obey? Do I obey your laws that are, that are extra, uh, uh, that you've added to God's law, or, do I, or I, do I obey the God-man Jesus who commanded, who healed me and commanded me? Like you, who, this is the same type of situation that you find throughout the Old Testament. Guys like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew dudes who were told that they need to bow down and worship the golden uh, statue or be burned. And they chose, I won't do either. Uh, I'll just worship God and he'll save me. And so this is the reality. The culture around you might, might push you uh, to a point and threaten you to get you to not obey Jesus. But Jesus is the great healer. Jesus is the great protector. Jesus is our great God and King. So it's just amazing to me that this man is now, he got healed, and now he's being told, like, who do I obey? Like, I obey the guy who healed me? Like, I kind of want to walk. Or do I obey these guys? So now they're asking, who is this man? What's important for us to see is that, that the, the, the Sabbath day, the day of, of rest set aside for rest and worship, was a day instituted by God. But Jesus says in Mark 22, 27, says that Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. Meaning this, that mankind, we as humanity, need a Sabbath day because we need rest. The day was set aside because we need it. See, we're to worship God with our Sabbath, not worship the Sabbath. We worship with our Sabbath, not worship the day. We worship God with our vacations. We don't worship our vacations. You ever done that? Worship your vacation, you're exhausted, burnout? Yep, well, that's, that's the uh, tax you pay for, you know, worshiping something false, right? You worship your kids. You're like, well, that, they failed me. Well, that's the cost you pay for worshiping your kids. We worship with our kids. We worship with our Sabbath. We worship with our holidays. We worship with our corporate gatherings. But we don't worship the gathering. We worship the God of the gathering. And with the gathering, we use it to worship and exalt Him. That's what we're doing. And so this day was set aside for the worship and in, in, in honor and glory to Jesus' name. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, shows up and he heals. What should the response be? God heals on the Sabbath. This is awesome. The, the, the God who created this day showed up. He was in our midst. And he brought healing, rest, restoration. And the Jews are like, no, nah, man, he's walking. That's not rest. See, that's how we think sometimes, though. I don't want us to get too caught up into the reality of, like, man, we're not, we're not like the re religious elites. Like, we sometimes 
think that rest is, is a nap. And I'm, I'm a napper, guys. I, I believe in naps because Jesus took naps. And so I take them. I'll take them even, you know, on a boat, you know, if, if it's stormy, I'll try to, you know, because I want to be like Jesus, even though I get seasick. So uh, just the reality is like we, we, we do things that God sometimes will give us rest, a good night's sleep, but, but that's not where rest truly is found. It's not in your vacation. It's not in your day off. The rest, the true rest that we need for our souls is found in Jesus. And so sometimes he uses a nap. Sometimes he uses a long car ride. Sometimes he uses a, the busy day, a full schedule. So how do you view your day, your worship, your, your, your Sabbath, your corporate gathering? All these things, are we doing this using them as a tool to worship or are we worshiping the day? They were worshiping the day. And what happens when you worship the day, you condemn Jesus. Moreover, you probably condemn yourself. You feel trapped. So Jesus broke their rules, not God's rules. He continues in verse 14. Afterwards, Jesus found him, the man whom he had healed, in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. See, this is the big idea. He, he has healed him so that he would sin no more. The man went away and then told the Jews. This is amazing to me. He went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. So Jesus shows up. After he's healed this man, he's going he's gonna to explain to him, hey, man, I've, I've, it's me. I have healed you. And I've healed you for this purpose to, so that you would sin no more. That's why I've healed you. Instead, this man's going to, in verse 15, he's going to use that information as to go sell Jesus out to the, to the religious leaders. Again, he's not looking for transformation. But Jesus is still looking to be God and looking to, to, to make much of him in, in his kingdom. And so he, he seeks him out. He heals him apart from faith. This man has no faith. He heals him. And then Jesus shows up and says, hey, you'll know how that happened. I'm God. Like, I'm Jesus. I've healed you. And he reveals himself to him. He says, I've healed you to sin no more. And, and he's, he, so what's going on here is implying, I need you to see this. He's implying that his suffering that his circumstance that he was just healed from had to do with his sin. I know that's sometimes hard to wrap our head around. He is saying, I want, I've healed you. He says, go, you're well. Praise be to God. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. He's implying that he's in a situation because of his sin. For, so whatever happened 38 years ago has led him to this situation and circumstance. Now, I need you to understand not all suffering is because of our sin. Sometimes we suffer, we find ourselves in a situation simply because we live in a fallen world, because sin exists, and because Satan and demons have, have, have had some sort of access into humanity, and there's uh, so also demonic realities, demonic attacks. There's another reason why people have suffering. So you have, you have just because of sin, uh, because of the, the effects of sin in the fall, but also from demonic oppression or attacks, someone could be, be suffering or in pain. Uh, additionally, someone could be in, uh, suffering because they're a victim. It's not because of their sin, but sin done against them. So there are other ways in which someone could be uh, experiencing suffering. So I'm not going to name, you know, I don't have time to talk about all types of suffering. This man has been, uh, is in some sort of hurt or found himself in this situation because he's hurt himself. He sinned. So sometimes our sin causes us, puts us in positions 
of, of suffering and, and heartache and, and pain and, and where we feel stuck, where we feel paralyzed. Like we, it's because of our sin that we got ourselves in a situation. And it seems like that's where this man is. So Jesus is telling this man, I have healed you. Now it's time to walk in the new life I've given you. If you talk to anyone who, who's, uh, uh, you know, in the financial industry or, or t- talking about money, they'll tell you, like, man, one of the worst things is for someone to win the lottery. Because usually it's someone who's, who's not uh, uh, wealthy or fluent and doesn't know how to spend their money, so they're gambling on it, win the lottery. Usually they go bankrupt really quickly. So oftentimes when there's not a want to, like we talked in the beginning, there's not a want to. You don't want this and you just get a handout. You just kind of squander it. Jesus is telling this man, don't squander this healing. Don't squander the grace of God. That can be said to all of us. We cannot squander the mercy and grace of Jesus. It is true that you, there's more mercy and grace in Jesus than sin in you. You cannot out-sin the mercy and grace of God. But you can put yourself in stupid situations and find yourself trapped. Maybe saved, secure in Christ, but trapped in pain and misery because of your sin. This man's healed. He's walking. And Jesus, is, is, apparently the issue is not necessarily him being paralyzed or lame or, or an invalid like he was. The issue is something else. He's saying, hey, what got you here, you got to turn from that. And so we don't know this man's full story or his pattern of life that led him to this ministry. But we do know that Jesus has, has saved him or showed up and healed him. And he's calling him to this new life, a new life in Christ. The reality is sometimes we, even Christians, we hold on to our past. We hold on to our sin. And we continually sit in it, dwell in it, think about it, continue in it. And I need you to see this. See, we, we have not just been healed, if you're a Christian, from your sin. Like, from, 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 you've been healed from, from not just your sin, but the effect, not just the effects of it. You've, you've been healed like, where you can actually... In Christ, walk in the newness of life he's given you. He's given you, Jesus has given you his Holy Spirit. I'm not saying you'll be perfect. What I'm saying is the same spirit that empowered Jesus for his life and ministry has been given to you. To walk in this newness of life. You've been healed to sin no more. You've been healed to walk in freedom. You've been healed to walk in the newness of life. You've been healed to live like the king's kid. So imagine all of us, this is the true story, and this is the gospel, and this is the reality. All of us are like orphans, just at Bethesda. We'll just put it in this context. We're all lame. We're all unable to move. We can't get in the water. We can't find healing. We can't find hope. We need someone to intervene. The water won't stir. The angel of the Lord won't come. We need Jesus to show up, or we're hopeless. And what Jesus does is not only does he show up, but he adopts us into his family. He adopts us into his family. And what we do is we go from lame, uh, paralyzed invalids at Bethesda to now the king's kids in the heavenly courts. When you get into the heavenly courts, there's new ways. Like, just imagine you're an orphan on the street, and now you're in the, the kingdom. You're in the king's palace. The food's different. The clothes are clean. Like, it's just different. Everything is different. This is the reality, that when Jesus saves you and he heals you, he has called you into his family. He's brought you into his kingdom. He moves you into his house. He moves you into his courts. He gives you a new name, a new status. You are the king's kid. And what does he want you to do? Live like you were an invalid at Bethesda still? Or on the streets? 
No, live like the king's kid. Live like a child of the king. Live like a resident of heaven, because that's your true home. That's what Jesus is calling him to. He's calling us to. See, the man went away, and he sold Jesus out to the Jews. So let's get to verse 16 and 18. And that is why, and this is why the Jews were per persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. So they were just upset that Jesus is healing people on the Sabbath. But even more so, verse 17, but Jesus answered them, my father. So they're, they're annoyed at him, and so he's going to respond. He says, my father is working till now, and, and I am working. And this is why the Jews were seeking to kill more to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. That's the big issue. That's the big issue they have, is that Jesus was making himself equal with, with God. What's the big deal about it? Well, he's God. There is, shouldn't, be no, there shouldn't be, be a big deal. But in their mind, this was blasphemy. Jesus couldn't be God. And they knew the only person who could heal and do these things were, was God. So they didn't want Jesus to be God. So they were seeking to kill him. See, I need you to see this. All of Jesus' miracles, whenever you see a miracle in the Scripture, you need to see that miracle was done to point to the reality that Jesus is God. And therefore, whatever follows the healing should come with great utterance, great uh, respect, great awe. Jesus says, get up, take your mat, walk. Yes, sir, I'm doing that. Jesus says, hey, you've been healed to sin no more. Yes, sir, help me walk in this new life. And Jesus does. He helps us walk in this new life that he has called us to, not by our own strength, but by the power of his spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not just calling us to walk in this new life and just going, I hope you make it. But just like I helped you out of the trenches, just how I healed you, just how you were hopeless, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to empower you by my spirit so that you can walk in this new life. And how did he do that? How did he create that? What came as a result of him being sold out? So they're seeking to kill him, right? They're seeking to kill him because he made himself God. He was God. So God takes his holiday, comes to hurting and helping people, or people need to help them. Jesus alone can heal. Eventually, though, those Jews who are seeking to kill Jesus, eventually, they, their distaste for God and God's ways, and they're, they're, they're over-elevating their ways, eclipsed the reality that, that Jesus could be who he says he was, and so they sought to even more to kill him. Eventually, they would figure out that, that, that they can't, he did, he's done nothing wrong, and he is sinless, and so they wrongfully accuse Jesus. And they, 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 they then seek to publicly have him murdered, silenced, so that he doesn't speak. And in this moment, we know that Jesus, he willfully lays his life down. Right now, he hides. He ducks and runs for cover. Later, Jesus will willfully lay his life down. Here's why. Because you can't control him. Just like they can't, he can't stop him from healing on the Sabbath, you can't stop Jesus. You cannot take Jesus' life from him. He must lay it down willfully. Why? Because he is God. The reason why they're killing him is the, the, the reason why they can't kill him. Because he's God. He's 100% God, 100% man. And so we can't be free from our own sin. And, and, and so these men who are seeking to kill him are trapped as well. And some of you feel so deeply trapped. And you feel like, if only I could be rescued. 
I need you to see that the, the, the indictment, the execution, the, the crucifixion, the murder of Jesus is the rescue mission. That's the mission that Jesus is sent on to go save us who are enslaved to sin, who are stuck, paralyzed, fear, shame, guilt. Because of our past sin, our present sin, and sin that we've, we have yet to commit. Where Jesus comes to earth, clothes himself in human flesh, fully man, yet he is fully God in, in order to rescue those who need healing. And that's humanity. What I want you to see is while those who plan to, to kill him, they think they're going to silence Jesus. Shut him up. Let's stop this guy. He's healing people on Sabbath. Can't have that. This is part of the rescue mission plan that Jesus would look death in the eye. This I want you to see that this is Jesus. Eventually, he goes to the cross. See, sin has kept many people from true freedom up to this point, right? I want you to see Jesus. Sin is keeping humanity from worshiping God. Sin is distorting the reality. Sin is counterfeiting all that God has for us. Sin has kept people from true worship. Sin has let them down. Sin has strung them out. Sin has left them hopeless, abandoned, hiding with guilt and shame. Sin has separated mankind from God, their creator. And sin has, has, is, is, is keeping us spiritually like this man at Bethesda. And so there must be a rescue mission and the cross of Christ is this rescue mission. We must see that it's not just an innocent man dying. The cross of Christ is a battle for human souls. To, to, to find a way, to secure a way for true healing. So that when Jesus says, you can be healed, like it's a true valid offer for eternity. And so Jesus will be brutally beaten, executed, and murdered. Crucified in our place for our sins. But why? So that he could pay the ransom, the down payment, the, the expense, the cost of all the sin, all that enslaves us in order that we could be truly healed. Without the cross of Christ, there's no healing. Without the, the Jesus willfully giving himself for mankind, there's no hope. And so what I want us to see is that this is what sin delivers. Miserable, trapped, enslaved lives eternally apart from God. But this is what the Savior does. He offers freedom. He offers true redemption. He offers true breaking of chains. True, lasting, eternal forgiveness. Jesus, the Savior, has paid the ransom for sinners with his own blood. Additionally, through faith in Jesus, not only do you get his forgiveness, but you get his righteousness. You get the title of a son or daughter of God. You get the Holy Spirit. You get a new life. You get a chance to live free. See, if you're in Christ, you've been set free to live free. The question is, will you? Will you? This man, we don't know what he does. I won't know what happens from here. Every day you have the choice. Will you live like your new identity in Christ, a free man, a free woman? Some of you, if you're not in Christ, you don't know, love, and trust Jesus, that offer is there. Do you want to be healed? 
Do you want your sins forgiven? Or do you want to stay in the cul-de-sac, circular motion you find yourself in, stuck, self-pity, victimized, just sitting there by the pool? Or do you want true life, true hope, true redemption, true freedom? It's found in one man. His name is Jesus. And it's whom we've, we've come to worship. It's whom we come to obey. It's whom, whom we've come to follow. And so just because you've trusted Jesus doesn't mean the long-term, effect, uh, the long-term effects of sin don't have a, that, that you don't experience those. You might. You might. But what this means is that sin no longer reigns. You have a new king. In Christ, nothing reigns over you. Sin, Satan, the flesh, or the devil, nothing reigns over you but Jesus. So let's worship him. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you are our good God and King, that you show up. You show up with might and power. Uh, You even show up in tenderness and love. When we are down, hurting, broken, beaten, discouraged, afflicted, ashamed, riddled with fear, anxiety, depression, struggle, we are trapped, Lord Jesus. And if you don't show up to help us, man, we are hopeless. So I ask that we'd be, uh, uh, we'd be eclipsed by your mercy and grace, that we'd see, Jesus, the link that you went to save us. We'd look at the cross, we'd examine it and see that, that, that this is how much we are loved, that you laid down your life for us, to not just heal us uh, of our infirmities, of our sicknesses, of, of, of our sin, but also free us to, to live a new life here for the rest of our time on earth as, as you as our king, uh, being redeemed, formed, transformed back into your likeness and empowered by your spirit, the same spirit that empowered Lord, you for your life and ministry now lives in us. May we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit as free men and women who have been healed to sin no more. In Christ's name, amen.